There aren't enough words to describe the amount of gems that are about to hit you in this episode with Julie Skolnick. Julie Skolnick is an expert on the 2E profile, and she guides parents, mentors, 2E adults, and trains teachers. She hits so many topics during the course of this episode, so many ideas that we have talked about over the past 136 episodes that we cannot wait for you to hear this one. She gives us gems like finding the notion of finding verbs. It talks about responding and not reacting, expectations, the interconnectedness of anxiety and perfectionism, comparing yourself to yourself, and sometimes accepting that good enough is good enough. She talks about the importance of internal motivation and how to cultivate that, how to find joy in every day, and of course, the importance of failure. Before we dig into that episode, we just wanted to remind you that we are currently accepting applications for Learn Smarter Pro. Learn Smarter Pro is our eight-week group coaching program that we are offering starting in February. And if you are interested and curious about it, we are hosting a Zoom Q&A this Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you are interested in hanging out with Steph and I and joining us on that Zoom, we would love to have you. We love getting to do these Zooms and see our audience. And so we will be hanging out there. So if you are interested in getting that Zoom link, go ahead and email us at rachelandsteph at learnsmarterpodcast.com and we'll shoot you over the link. In the meantime, we're excited to bring you this episode, and let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 137 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And today we have with us Julie Skolnick, who is an expert on the 2E profile and guides parents and mentors 2E adults and helps train teachers. Welcome, Julie. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, Stephanie and Rachel. Yay. We're excited to have you. So let's dig right in. And we would love for you to share who you are, what you do, and who you do it for. And then I'm also going to ask you how you got to that place. So if you want to answer all of the above, feel (laughs) free to give us a little bit of your story. You are asking me to tap into my working memory. Yes. (laughs) I asked you four things at once. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to try, but I know you're here to support me and accommodate me if I need. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Hi, everybody. I am Julie Skolnick, and I am the founder of With Understanding Comes Calm. So you can find that at withunderstandingcomescalm.com. And what I do there, that's sort of the umbrella of what I do. That's where I do all my consulting. I work directly with parents around the globe on how to bring out the best and raise self-confidence in their 2E kids. What is 2E? Why do they keep saying that word? You people are probably wondering. And 2E is the same thing as twice exceptional or somebody who's identified as gifted also presenting with learning differences or learning disabilities. So I'm your 2E girl. That's where I live. I guide parents. I mentor 2E adults because we don't outgrow our 2E-ness or our giftedness. And I also train teachers. So that's the with understanding comes calm part. And part and parcel to that is every way that I can support 
those stakeholders, parents, educators, clinicians, ed consultants, ed therapists, with as much information and resources as I can. So our newsletter, Gifted and Distractable, which is free and monthly, is part of that, as well as Let's Talk to E, which is two things. One, a bunch of conferences for parents and educators that never expire and always live on my website, as well as the Let's Talk to E community, which includes a parent empowerment group for parents. And then we have 2eresources.com, which falls underneath the umbrella of With Understanding Comes Common. It's a great place for everybody out there listening to go and find resources listed in five categories of education, clinicians, consultants, enrichments, and associations, or for businesses who serve and only serve the 2e community to be listed. So I think that answered the first part of the question, guys. And the second part is, why the heck do you do all this stuff? Uh, Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I do all this stuff and it didn't start out this way. My tagline used to be supporting parents of gifted and distractible kids. And now I'm guiding parents, mentoring 2E adults and training teachers. And what happened was I was raising these three awesome kids who I now know are twice exceptional, all of them gifted, highly gifted with different comorbidities. It's a horrible word, but it just means something at the same time. So ADHD or anxiety or social emotional challenges, all of that can fall under that 2E realm as well as specific learning disabilities. And so I'm raising these three kids and I'm like going whole hog learning about ADHD and totally ignoring the gifted piece, which I didn't realize until a friend said to me who was in gifted education, why are you ignoring your kid's giftedness? I was like, what are you talking about? So then I learned everything I could about giftedness. And then I realized twice exceptionality was really where I needed to be. And I became certified as a parent group facilitator through SANG, Supporting the Emotional Needs of the Gifted, a really great association if you have kids who are twice exceptional. S-E-N-G-I-F-T-E-D dot org is a great association. And you know what happened? To answer your question in the most direct way is I met with a developmental pediatrician who's a good friend beloved in our area in Maryland. And I said, here's everything I've learned about giftedness that I didn't understand before. And here's what I want to do for parents to kind of turbocharge their learning and ability to respond rather than react to their kids. And he looked at me, jaw to the ground and said, you just taught me all about gifted. Here's my Rolodex, call everybody I know and tell them they Mm. need to meet. So that's how the business started. But the passion is really Actually, the secret is, okay, so the mission at With Understanding Comes Calm is to empower all those stakeholders, parents, educators, clinicians, to bring out the best and raise self-confidence in 2 kids. And the truth is, I'm looking to bring out the best and raise self-confidence in 2 kids. And there are a lot of people who work directly with kids, but not so many people work with parents or the teachers or 2 adults themselves. So my idea is to circle the wagons of all the grownups so that we can help empower them because the kids don't have the power and they need to learn how to advocate for their kids or their students or their clients so that they can then teach their kids or their students or their clients to advocate for themselves. Hey Smarties, Rachel here. We'll get back to the episode in a second, but we just wanted to remind you to apply for Learn Smarter Pro. 
Learn Smarter Pro is our eight-week group coaching program that is perfect for working professionals in the early stages or considering building a private practice for different learners. It's perfect if you want to seek a community of like-minded professionals and want to develop skills and habits of a successful entrepreneur. It's perfect for those of you who want coaching to help you manage difficult cases and difficult scenarios. It's perfect for those of you who want behind the scenes business trainings that will create more free time, increase productivity, and generate more profit. To apply for Learn Smarter Pro, you can check out the application in our show notes and or email us at admin at learnsmarterpodcast.com and we'll shoot that application right over to you. In the meantime, listen to what former participants have said. I can't thank you guys enough for everything because I've learned so much. Well, I just thought you guys were so smart and knew what you guys were doing. I feel like educational therapy, there's two different groups, I'd say. And one group, very knowledgeable in what they do, but not up to date with technology and everything, how the times are changing. And then there's this new group that's coming in. And I felt like you guys were kind of leading that. And so listening to the podcast and everything. I was very trusting going into it. I knew I was going to gain so much from it. And I did. And just the way I saw you guys structure your business, I just thought this is something I really want to do. And those are goals for myself. So it was a no-brainer. We looked at it as what would have been the program that we would have wanted to participate in. 100%. And designed that. Yeah, because we didn't have it. So with you guys, it was what I needed to get done. Time-saving tips. You guys helped us create goals for ourselves. It was really doing kind of like a therapy on us for the business side, if that makes sense. You notice that? (laughs) (laughs) A therapy to the core. (laughs) It was great because any questions that we had that would arise, we would refer back to you guys. And you were so responsive all the time. But I'd say the things that I gained the most were how to handle emails that came in or how often to contact parents, you know, all these little questions that you have that you don't know who to ask. All the stuff that we trial and errored, we were able to kind of give you the benefit of our insight. Exactly. When you have someone showing you the way, it feels a lot easier. I've grown in that I've gotten an office building, gotten some new clients. I've started networking a lot more with other professionals. Yeah, it just really grew and... I thank you guys because it gave me so much confidence in what I was doing. The fact that you didn't have an office and then within that six weeks you did Mm -hmm. is just so telling. And now you're in your office right now, right? Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. What would you tell people who are considering joining Learn Smarter Pro? Do it if you're at a spot where you're ready to take the risk, but you're lacking confidence because you don't really know how to begin and what needs to be done to get to where you want to be. Because Learn Smarter Pro does give you the tools, gives you the steps, it scaffolds you. And then it's up to you whether or not you do it or not. But Stephanie and Rachel really do walk you through it so that you don't make mistakes or you're more assertive in what you're doing. Now back to the episode. It's one of my favorite parts about educational therapy is that we do get the opportunity to work with the whole team and the whole family structure. And it's a really big part of the work that we're doing. So we're totally aligned and on board with your mission, which is what inspired me to invite you onto the podcast in the first place. But 
I want to go back to that moment where you were talking to the developmental pediatrician in your area. And what were you sharing with him? What have you learned about giftedness that sort of challenged your preconceived notions of it and sort of informed your next steps? All right. Great question. So tell me, what does person on the street think gifted is? What are synonyms for gifted? Bright. Brilliant. Yeah. Bright, brilliant, smart, potential, ability. Aptitude. Aptitude. Okay. So those are all true. And if people out there in podcast land could see me holding up my fingers, I'm holding my fingers close together, my thumb and my forefinger to show it's a little bit, that, that is, that is what gifted is. But there's so much more that needs to be taken into consideration when you are trying to teach, serve, and parent this population. And so when I give talks on uh, giftedness and twice exceptionality, I often put right now a picture of, so everybody put your imagination hat on and imagine a three-layer cake. I like mine to be chocolate. You can pick yours to be any flavor you want. There are three layers and there's frosting. And the frosting is above, around, and between all the layers. So that frosting above, around, and between all the layers, that's the giftedness. But then you got these three layers or characteristics, okay? And that includes a synchronous development, perfectionism, as well as intensities or what's known in gifted parlance as overexcitabilities. So just very quickly, the asynchronous development, you have these different parts of your abilities, right? You have these incredible, what I like to call superpowers, and then you have these challenges, or maybe there's some place that's a social emotional challenge or kids who struggle with social skills and interaction, but crave it. Or maybe there's a working memory or a processing speed situation. And so you have all these things that are happening at the same time, the strength, as well as the challenge. And all during the day, these areas of your life are interacting and it becomes confusing and frustrating. So the best way to think of asynchronous development is actually what's called the 5-10-15 rule, where you're 10 chronologically, you're 15 in some incredible ability, and you're five somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So this three-ringed Venn diagram is moving around at all times, making it frustrating and confusing for you. That's one layer, right? And remember, we're talking giftedness. Second layer is perfectionism, the other side of which can be anxiety. And I think that we're probably going to be talking a lot more about perfectionism during this podcast. So I'm going to put a pin in that. And then the third layer is intensities or what's known in gifted parlance as overexcitabilities, which just means to say that you plug into the world and receive stimuli in a much grander way. You respond to it in a much grander way. And it's identified in five areas, intellectually overexcitable, imaginationally, sensual or sensory, psychomotor, and imaginationally. Okay, so those are the five areas. You can derive great pleasure from these overexcitabilities. You just want to dig in and learn so much, that hyper-focus where you really want to learn and you ask a lot of questions and you're so curious and you have this one thing that you learn everything you can about it and you're in flow right? But it can be challenging because you're told to stop asking so many questions or you're not challenged or a unit takes eight weeks instead of, you know, eight minutes that you can learn it in. So there can be that challenge. Emotionally, same thing. You're an amazing friend. You know what people need before they know what they need, but seldomly do you get that effusiveness back, right? Sensual or sensory. We know these tags in the shirts, seams in the socks, looks like sensory processing, challenges, but you can also derive amazing pleasure from music, textures, you know, petting an animal, 
we treat this by dialing up or dialing down sensory input. Imaginational, same deal. If you're told you can't doodle, it's a real bummer and probably affects your ability to learn. Psychomotor, if you're told you can't move, pace, stand, same thing. It might be inhibiting your ability to learn. And actually, I give a talk about emotion regulation, and a lot of it has to do with misunderstanding over excitabilities that lead to emotion dysregulation. So that's your giftedness profile that is very different than just smart. Yes, it is. <laughs> or yeah. bright. Let's go back to the anxiety and the perfectionism. That's something that I think a lot of us can relate to in a way that either we are ourselves or we know somebody who struggles with it or we're teaching a kid or one of our own children struggles with perfectionism. And the thing that I find is parents at least don't have an accurate definition of perfectionism and don't really understand that it's a form of anxiety. Right. And they don't even recognize it in themselves. You know, apples never fall far, as we say, right? So when I see a very anxious, has perfectionism to the nth degree in a parent, and then I see it in the child. So I would love to hear your take on perfectionism and how you explain it to parents. What's so interesting is that what underlies everything you just said is the assumption that people know that they're looking Mm -hmm. at perfectionism. And actually what happens for me is when I'm speaking with clients, when I hear words like, "Mm, he's afraid to take risks, gifted underachievement, failure to launch. First of all, I know to start talking about thinking about and asking questions about anxiety, Mm -hmm. which is very often attendant with perfectionism. Perfectionism can lead to some pretty ugly competitive behavior. And so you're looking at this person as like a jerk (laughs) or annoying, not realizing that they're suffering. Right. And so you're right. The first thing you have to do is kind of understand what is perfectionism. And for the 2E profile, when you're told how smart you are from the moment you're born, right? You're so smart. It just rolls off the tongue for kids who read at three or younger, or jump on a bike without any training, or, you know, read everything and learn everything about, you know, the periodic table or plays Mozart when they're in kindergarten, whatever it is, they're told that they're so smart. So what happens, the first thing is expectations. Expectations get set in their own minds about themselves based on true or perceived expectations of others. So expectations is the first thing. And it sort of pigeonholes us to not want to let people down. Mm -hmm. And what happens is if you don't meet expectations or you're afraid you won't meet expectations, something called the imposter syndrome can happen where you really doubt you ever were actually as good as anybody really thought you were. You fake them out, right? Perfectionists don't allow room for error. It's this one way they have it in their head that it's got to go. So the kid who's erasing their paper till there are holes in it, the kid holding their head, putting their head down on the table, they can't do what they see in their mind's eye. And this, of course, comes hand in hand with negative self-talk. That's why that self-confidence piece is part of with understanding comes calm's mission, because it's so important and different than self-esteem, self-confidence, self-esteem, self-confidence is sort of believing in yourself and the abilities that you have and self-esteem is feeling good about yourself. Mm -hmm. Self-esteem could be tied to perfectionism 
And if that's the way that you get your self-esteem, then that's kind of ready for disaster, crumbling mountain to happen. And then, of course, there's the being concerned about how other people see you and how they feel about you and how they judge you and that being important to you. So all of those really can affect your perfectionism status, if you will. Our audience is now listening to this and they're either coming to the realization or maybe they've been at the party for a minute and they sort of don't know what to do. They're starting to recognize some of the traits and characteristics that you're sharing or you're putting the pieces of the puzzle together for them. What happens next and how does sort of the family structure need to respond and shift? Because Steph and I are really big on not making the learner, not making the kid, the identified patient in the family structure can't only be the kid who shifts and makes changes and parents and siblings respond with doing nothing. So what do people do next? Well, and I might even start before next. I might start beforehand for those of you who are listening, who have littles, like how do we avoid, right? How do we avoid Perfectionism. Yeah. So it's very important and hard, but important to focus on effort, to focus on process rather than product. So rather than hanging up the paper that has the A on it, talk a lot about the effort that it took to get the A. Talk about, and this is part of my teacher training, is making sure the teachers send information to children and parents about the effort that their kids are making. It's so important to notice the effort, no matter what they're doing and how it ends up. So let's say they're making cookies and they make cookies and they're gross, Mm -hmm. right? I like to call it finding verbs. This is one of my Skolnick strategies is finding verbs. So what did they have to do? Wow, you read through the recipe, you paid attention, you remembered what you were supposed to measure you put it in the bowl, you mixed it up, really literally finding all the verbs that the child did, right? Oh, you read that book. So they read a book and they get a whatever, a grade that they don't like. You read the book, you finished it on time, you met all those expectations, you thought about the book, you know, like that stuff to me is more important because guess what, guys? You learn from mistakes. The best way to learn, the stickiest way to learn is by making a mistake. So when I would drop my little guy, so I have 19, 17, and 11. And when my 11-year-old was, I don't know, six through nine, I would drop him off, say, have a great day. I hope you make a bunch of mistakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the first time he was like, okay, but what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, what? Did I hear that right? You know, and then I asked him, why do you think I asked you that question, right? Nobody was beeping yet in the carpool line, but I did. I really said, why do you think I asked you that question? And, you know, probably he didn't know. I don't remember all those years ago. We probably talked about it later. And we talked about how it's so important that you really learn the best from mistakes. It sticks, it's sticky. Okay, so am I telling you to make mistakes in front of your kids? Sort of, not really. But when you do make a mistake, boy, oh boy, share it. Mm -hmm. Share it with your family. Why? Because it's like an inoculation against, oh man, my mom is so perfect. She never makes mistakes. I need to be perfect too. And all that, or my dad, right? So let's share when we make mistakes. And guess what? If you don't make a mistake, make up a mistake. We say that all the time. I share a story on the podcast. I used to teach preschool and I had a parent and we were talking about her four and a half year old who 
was totally outcome focused and very perfectionistic to the point where she wasn't willing to try things if she didn't think she was going to be good at it for the first time. And her mom was quite perfectionistic herself. And I had a good rapport with mom. And I said, you know, she's you. And she goes, yeah, I know. I don't know what to do about it. And I said, when you make a mistake at home, let's highlight it. Let's talk about it big. We do the same thing with our clients. When we screw up, we shared the story all day. Even my ed therapist screws up sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I said, so you need to highlight it when you make a mistake for her and show her that it's okay. And you're not going to lose your mind over it. I said a different word, but on the podcast, I'll say lose your mind. And she looks at me and she goes, Rachel, I don't make mistakes. And I go, I know it's time to start. I'm so sorry. I was like, this is a tough way to live, to feel like you can't, but why don't you make some perfect mistakes? Have a little plan and make it be a perfect little plan. But the plan is to make a mistake. It was a lot. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about the gifted kid whose expectations are really high. Right. And so if you don't know that you can make a mistake and live to tell about it, it's really hard. And we think about how we push our kids and what we're expecting. So I think part of it is having to lean in toward the perfectionism. You can even draw a bell curve with your kids. And I don't care how old they are, especially if they're 2E, because they're going to get it. Draw a bell curve, list areas in your life, you know, school, chores, personal appearance, friendships, parenting, whatever. Mark where you are left to right. Little worry, big worry. And talk about it and ask questions. It's really important to ask questions. Hmm. And also, by the way, you can't say, oh, mistakes are fine. You don't have to worry. You know, your kid comes home and they're crushed because they got a C and you're like, ah, don't worry about it. You're learning. You know, like that doesn't work either. We got to lean in and say, looks like you're disappointed in the grade that you got. We got to make space for that because this is how they're wired. So we need to sort of soothe, apply some salve to that feeling before we say, you know, you did read the book and you did think about it and, and then ask, like, how would you change what you did or how you will do it next time? And really empowering them. It can't be all about us solving their problems. And it certainly can't be all about we see them going down the same track and we know that the train is coming and it's going to crash. We have to ask them questions and help empower them to solve their problems as well by asking which is sometimes hard because we don't want them to be in pain and we want them to feel good. But the other thing that I'll say is perfectionism can lead to procrastination, right? Yes. If you can't do it the way you want to do it, you ain't going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> or gifted underachievement is a thing. And, you know, a lot of people head toward gifted underachievement because Sometimes they don't feel strong in their areas and they're worried, geez, if I do well on this, they're going to ask me to do this again. Mm -hmm. We don't want that attitude. It's got to be about the work. It's got to be about the effort. And preferably, we're going to learn that in areas of our passions, what we love. It's hard to teach this when you're doing something that you don't really like to do. That sticking to it, that grit, you know, the Angela Duckworth grit. So you asked me, you know, what are the things that you can do? We talked about focusing on the process over the product. If you know Carol Dweck in Mindset, she talks a lot about that. And because the other side of perfectionism is anxiety, okay, fear of failure, fear of letting people down, all the negative self-talk, fear of being compared to others, whatever it is, right? 
fear and anxiety is always about the future, something that's going to happen or not going to happen, right? It's always about the future. So we have to say present in what we're doing. If you are perfectionistic about, you know, the game that's coming up that you're afraid, oh, I wish kids were playing in sports mm. right now, but we'll just pretend. Yeah, they will one day. They will. One day. But it's kind of like, you know, okay, so what do you want to do about it? So let's work it backwards. Let's chunk it out, right? Breaking tasks into chunks, thinking about all the components, helping them, not telling them, helping them to figure out what are the chunks toward their goal, helping them to identify what is their goal. If you have multiple kids in your family, you do not want to say things like, who can get to the car first? Mm. Who can get upstairs first? Who's going to finish their lunch first? Right? Because competition and perfectionism can go hand in hand. So we want to compare ourselves only to ourselves. So sometimes when I'm working with parents on their morning routine or afternoon routine, evening routine or whatever, what we'll do is we'll literally have a stopwatch and we'll make it a game. And we'll compare them against themselves. We'll pot it out. Kid learns how to make a graph. You know, it's like a fun extension activity. Compare them to themselves and encourage them to compare themselves to themselves. Role modeling, we talked a little bit about, which is really important. Role modeling, sometimes good enough is good enough. I got to let go of this because it's six o'clock and I really want to be with my kids. I don't want to be working right now, even though I could work forever. Oh my gosh, that's a total sentence, by the way, FYI, secretly guys, nobody tell anybody, but that's my Mm -hmm. sentence all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Like I got to figure out my priorities. Okay. You got to role model satisfaction with your effort. You know, geez, this, you know, this is an easy one. Geez, this, the cake is kind of like collapsed, but you know, I learned a new recipe. I had fun, tastes pretty good. So I'm going to be good with this. Right. And setting reasonable standards for yourself. And if you struggle with this, parents, share with your kids that you struggle with this. Ask them to help you. Mm. You know, sometimes good enough is good enough. It's a great mantra. Sometimes good enough is good enough. And then, you know, chunking out even daily goals, making a list of your action items for those goals. A lot of people, get frozen because they're overwhelmed. In fact, I wrote a blog. So I write at least monthly blogs and I wrote one on zooming in and zooming out. No pun intended (laughs) in our zoom world right now, but you know, sometimes when we look at the big picture, it's like, Whoa, that's overwhelming. How am I ever going to write that five page paper? Right? So then we can look at, okay, let's start with the introductory paragraph. Let's start with the outline. Let's think about what the messages we want to say. But then sometimes you look at all the steps. Oh my God, I got to advocate for my kid and he's got these six classes. So then we look at the big picture. What's the overall goal, right? We have to know when should we zoom in? When should we zoom out? And when I talked about passion, you know, finding meaningful motivation and not just incentives and consequences. I'm really about internal motivation. It's funny because one of my kids once said to me, I think he was eight or nine and self-described at the time as ADHHHHHHD (laughs) (laughs) and highly gifted. And he said, you know, mom, I mean, poor kid, he's my kid, right? You know, mom, my profile does better with incentives rather than consequences. (laughs) 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 And, you know... That's good. He's right. He's right. That makes me love him. (laughs) Oh, he's lovable, man. He's 6'5 now and 17 with rock star hair. But anyway, so another thing, and this is like totally not having to do at all with the perfectionism, but turn on some music in your house. 
Literally, turn on music and dance around. It relieves a lot of pressure. Breathe. I just gave a keynote for our educator conference that's coming up in January 2021, and it's all on transitions. So transitions for 2 kids and perfectionists, not a happy, comfortable place. So breathing before transitions is a great practice, whether you have your kids do it with you or you just do it and role model it, preferably if there are two spouses in the home, that the two spouses do the breathing. When you sit down to eat, that's a transition from not eating, right? Everything's a transition. Getting up is a transition from sleeping. Just breathe. It's so important. And I promise you, if you do it and your kids are resistant, they're doing it behind closed doors when they see you do it and how you feel about it. So again, role modeling is so important. And remember, you may not do this perfectly. So you can do a do-over. And last but not least, I'll just say to find joy in every day. There's a lot being said about gratitude practices. My two adults, I actually have them do gratitude practices for themselves. What are you grateful for about yourself? I, it is really interesting to watch adults try to squirm out of that and figure out some way that they're showing that they're grateful, but it's not really for themselves. It's for a thing somebody did that they noticed. You got to be grateful for yourself and find some joy. <laughs> We love it when we get to be a student on the podcast, for sure. But there's so (laughs) many words and ideas that you just touched upon that we've done entire episodes about. And I'm so sure that in all your different forms and websites, which we'll absolutely share in the show notes and have you state them all again slower, but each one of those different things is really, really meaty. I want to go back to really internal motivation versus rewards and incentives? And how do you really cultivate that? Because we often talk about the student who has tried for years and years and years and hasn't met expectations and is constantly hearing it's not enough, it's not good enough. And so what they do, we have found, is that they emotionally disconnect, usually around puberty, from trying on that thing. It's not really the perfectionist kid that we've been talking a lot about today, but I'm curious, how do you sustain internal motivation? Because I really believe that all kids are born, and so does staff, with an inherent desire to please. Yeah. This is a fundamental belief that we have. So how do you sustain that and cultivate that over a lifetime? So thank you for that question and for what you just said your core belief is, which is very Ross Green, who I love from livesinthebalance.org. Kids would do well if they could. Yes. And that is for sure the most beautiful maxim ever verbalized. So the first A1, number one thing that has to happen is a personal connection. Personal connection is the number one thing. If something isn't working in your home, your classroom, your therapy practice, back up and forge a personal connection and how you do that matters. So, you know, it's not just, Hey, how are you? How was your day? But knowing what makes this person tick or ticks this person off and really having a conversation about it with them and really being interested and writing it down and remembering to bring it up later or for parents, you know, oh man, those video games. It's really funny. So my little guy loves to talk about video games and we're very strict on screen time. And my husband... (laughs) My son will try to talk to him about a video game. My husband will be like, can we talk about something else? (laughs) Well, so I try really hard to literally pretend that I'm listening. (laughs) So 
he'll, I do listen and I do sit next to him and I might look at it and I may not understand it or like it, but I have to meet him where he is. So the first thing for internal motivation and the greatest thing for internal motivation is to have a kid know that you care about them, understand them, are really genuinely interested in their interests. Okay. And so when I train teachers, this is very important because I want them to weave some of that stuff into the class topics that are relevant and meaningful and interesting. And then for parents, you've got to be able to actually communicate this to teachers. I talk a lot about advocacy with parents. And so I call this the positive perspective advocacy strategy, where you will take a picture of your child doing something, not holding the finished Lego project, but actually a picture of them doing or a picture of them really into their book that they're reading, not holding up the finished book that they read. Or if they earn a different belt in Taekwondo, you send a picture because our educators see our kids in one locale, right? And maybe they're not performing. So we need them to have a different perspective of our kids. Okay, so the first thing for internal motivation is to really work on that personal connection. Parents, you may be thinking like, well, is my kid, of course I have a personal connection, but hmm, gotta make sure, especially because Rachel brought up puberty and adolescence, that's when their job is to push us away. Right. That's their job, mm-hmm. right? And they're good at it. So we, we need to really make that extra effort to be interested in what they are doing and what they are thinking about. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is, again, that noticing verbs. When things are going well, you've got to find them doing well because they are going to feel like they are responsible toward you, that they are want to please you. So make it easy for them by noticing when they're doing well, noticing when they're doing the stuff that you want to do. If you are parenting by yourself, you're parenting with a partner or spouse, think about what are the things, what are your highest priorities that you want them to do and notice when they do it. You know why? Two-E kids, we know statistically, get 40 more redirections of negatives than they do positives every day. 40 more. Might actually be a shorter amount than 24 hours. I don't remember. But the point is multiple, multiple, multiple times are they redirected or given negative feedback and hearing their name associated with that. So it's really important that we notice these verbs. We notice these things that we want them to do. These are the big picture gestalt items, right? Now, for internal motivation, I mean, I'm not going to tell you don't do any incentives ever, but please, please do not tie screen time as an incentive. Please do not tie gifts as an incentive. I have clients right now who their kid is like, I need something. I need something to feel good, right? Like he's used to getting these external motivations. And so what we have to do is maybe sit down with our kids and brainstorm. What are things that would be a nice treat for you? And hopefully, and we're going to sort of push them towards the path of dinner alone with mom or dad, or, you know, doing an art project with mom or dad, or something like that, that you can do. Last but not least, volunteer. Do something with your kid that's philanthropic. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like an internal motivator than to see other people's needs, to help other people with their needs and know, therefore, as you juxtapose your own needs, (laughs) that you're probably doing okay. Hmm. Hmm. I love the way you said that getting connected to your kid, even though you are, it's a different 
connection. It's about getting intentionally present. There's actually a train parents on how to actually do that. And we're so often in our phones. There's a great book called The Big Disconnect. And she talks about how if you're standing at the stove and you're like sauteing onions and your kid comes up to you and says, mom, mom, or dad, dad, I want to tell you something. You're going to be like, hang on one second. Let me turn off the stove. But when our kids come up to us and we're on our device, it's like, hang on a second, which is so gruff, right? The screen, whatever screen it is, sucks our frontal lobe right into it. And when have you been with your kid without your phone? First and foremost, get rid of the phone (laughs) and be with your kid and then do what they want to do and just notice what they're doing. Just comment on what they're doing. Ask them questions about what they're doing. Shine a big, fat spotlight on your kid because it doesn't happen often. As educators, parents, I think what we always talk about, about the taking the aim and process, not product, and all of those things and meeting them where they're at and really understanding what makes them tick and helping them really understand themselves. All those things that you just said are so important. And I recognize that some of the parents feel like they're just in the trenches, so to speak, just trying to survive, especially right now. And we always talk about how just picking one thing and just starting somewhere and doing it when you can is the best way to start. And for people who are really struggling and saying, oh, that sounds amazing, but not realistic. Yeah, I can't even keep my head above water myself at the moment. What would you say to them to just send them off? If you're asking about that personal connection and spending time and a parent is going to say, we're both full-time working and we're both this and we're both that, time. Just when it's bedtime, sit with your kid. And especially for two-week kids, we call it monkey mind, where, you know, all of a sudden they lay down and no way can they sleep, even though they were so tired because they're thinking about all the fails during the day and all the challenges and all the stuff that's going to happen tomorrow and all the times they were redirected and all the stuff that they said that they wish they hadn't said, all that stuff. So be there for that. And again, don't try to solve the problem. Take that pressure off yourself. Don't solve the problem. Sit there, hold it with them be next to them and hear it. And one thing I failed to mention before Stephanie and Rachel is the importance to allow our kids to fail. That is really hard, really hard, but it is the greatest way to foster agency, no matter what that is. If that is the kid not setting their alarm being late for school, or whether it's the kid saying, I got this, I got this, when you know they aren't studying and they failed the test, It's the fastest route. If you think that you're solving their problems by doing stuff for them or making sure that you are their frontal lobe, it is time to separate the frontal lobe and let them develop their own. So actually, I'm giving you permission to stop doing as much as you're doing. I think that's great. And if you are doing so much and being their frontal lobe, use that time to spend with them instead of doing things for them. Or for you, because you need to also be feeling good and resilient yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Well, thank you for everything that you just taught us. I feel like I just was in a master class for sure. And all the little phrases and things that you said, and I relate to a lot of it. We both do. Yeah. (laughs) So I just learned a little bit about me too. So thank you for that. Yay. So Julie, before we let you go, I just want to make sure how can people connect with you? Awesome. 
So the direct way is my email, which is Julie, J-U-L-I-E, at withunderstandingcomescom.com. And here's a really cool one for you. If you want to talk to me for free for 20 minutes on the phone, you can actually schedule that at Julie Skolnick, J-U-L-I-E-S-K-O-L-N-I-C-K dot youcanbook.me. So Julie Skolnick dot youcanbook.me. And that is a 20-minute free consultation to anybody who would like it. I do them on Mondays. And of course, with understandingcomescom.com to learn about how I support families and educators and clinicians. So I do a lot of speaking, so you can learn about that on the website as well, in case you want me to come to your parent group or your school. And you can learn about all of our conferences. We have our educator conference. Guys, this is an amazing gift. And we have gift cards that you can get for your educator. If you want them to learn about TUI, it's such a win-win-win because it's great for your teacher and therefore it's great for your kid and therefore it's great for you. So let's talk TUI.com. And we have a parent conference that launched in August of 2020, but as with all of our conferences, they remain on demand forever. So there's an amazing conference from 2018, one from 2019, and then our parent one from 2020 and our educator one coming up 2021. And if you want to subscribe to Gifted and Distractible, our newsletter, that you can do by going to our website and clicking on Learn With Me and Newsletters, and you'll get to the subscription form there. And 2eresources.com is where we list all of the amazing resources who reach out to us and want to be listed on our page. And that's available 24-7 for free to anybody out there. You could add, Rachel, the Let's Talk 2e community that's there too at letstalktui.com. And we have a parent empowerment group that meets on Thursdays. And I'm just going to give you a couple of books about what we talked about today. Great. Please, please. I'm writing my book starting February after our conference. So I'm 75 pages in, guys. Nice. Good. Okay. So I have a blog called Perfectionism and Imposter Syndrome, and that you can search on my website with understandingcomescom.com. But then we have Wendy Mogul, M-O-G-U-L, her book, Blessing of a Skin Knee. Great, great book. And we have Lisa Van Gemmert, who wrote Perfectionism, A Practical Guide to Managing Never Good Enough. And then Jim Delisle, who writes on Gifted Underachievement. So you can look up D-E-L-I-S-L-E. So I think that's probably everything that I want to... Did I leave anything? I don't know, Julie. Do you have free time in your life? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Thank you for being here. And thank you for being a voice in our community and for teaching us in our audience today. We really appreciate your time today. Yeah. Have a great week, Smarties. Have a great week. 